1: It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It
0: ain't the left Thank side. you, Solo D. Welcome the to right another episode side. of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out my Twitter handle, BrianCatNFL and Paul's is fanatic. That's with a pH, fanatic underscore pick. You can follow us both on Twitter as well as our on the fence handle. Be sure to check out our merch store too on com. We are continuing our position by position preview of the Dolphins roster with our 53 man roster predictions, cranking it really into high gear with training camp just around the corner. Today we're looking at the front seven. Typically it's very clear Paul, who the defensive ends, the defensive tackles, and linebackers are. We've been running this 4-3 defense over the last couple of years, but uh, not this year. I mean, we typically divide these up into different segments with d D-tackle, linebacker. We're doing these all with the front seven today, and partially it's because, to a large extent, we don't know who's going to line up where.
2: I'll I'll take that a step further. I mean, we don't truly know what Flores is going to do with his defense in general. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities here, and the front seven is going to be very fluid based upon it. And to be honest, Flores may not do one singular thing. I mean, we may see where the defense gets flexed into multiple looks, including possibly a 3-3-5 at times.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of 3-3-5.
2: I do, too. I mean, but this is something where, you know, your your D tackles blend into your DNs, which blends into your edge slash linebacker unit. I mean, about the only solid position is, you know, your D tackles are going to be somewhere in between the, the the tackle box. And then your middle linebacker and rake McMillan's probably going to be plugged somewhere around the middle of the defense at all times and everything else is fluid around them.
0: I think the most we're going to see the Dolphins in formation this year is easily three three five, because that means the fifth defensive back stays on the field the majority of the time, and I think that fifth defensive back is going to be well, the nickel back I think is going to be Minka Fitzpatrick, but I think Minka is going to be playing that boundary cornerback when the Dolphins play with four defensive backs. I think you'll see a lot of three two six looks as well. But before we even get into that, Paul it would be disrespectful not to to point out one player who actually in our original taping of the show, we both of us are, at least I had making a 53 man roster. That's Kendrick Norton who a lot of dolphins fans are familiar with, not just because he was on the team last year, but he was also a Miami hurricane. He was a seventh round pick late in the seventh round of the Carolina Panthers. And the dolphins got him on the roster with a couple of um, games left in the season. He had a terrible car accident that actually involved his arm being amputated right there at the scene. And I know a lot of paramedics that I've I've talked to about this who've been in the field for a long time and have not seen a situation like this where their arm actually had to be amputated there at the scene. So terrible situation for, for Kendrick Norton. But the thing is, too, Paul, I, you look back at Isaiah Peed back in 2016 after the Dolphins Released him. He got in that terrible car accident where he lost his leg and ended up actually really turning things around. I mean, talk about the light at the end of the tunnel. He's qualifying for the, the 2020 um, games. The, the I'm not sure of the exact name of that, but, you know, so th- this is a guy certainly that, that we're rooting for far here in this podcast.
2: Yeah, all, all our thoughts and prayers go out to Ken, not only Kendrick but his family, his friends, and, and and it's really good seeing the Dolphins do right by this kid.
0: Absolutely. So, with heavy hearts here, we'll we'll continue here with the rest of the um, of the front seven, taking a look here. And you know, it's it's key to point out this thankfully new defense with Brian Flores and pa- and Patrick Graham compared to. The boneheads we've seen over the last decade with Kevin Coyle, uh, with with Matt Burke, as well as Vance Joseph, where we saw that pure 4-3 defense. And it was something where we were tearing our hair out for so long because in the previous 4-3 defense, it was very, very simple. It was a pure 4-3 with a wide nine defensive scheme. And the defensive linemen were expected to line up from play to play in the same spot and very simply beat their man. Sometimes they did, and a lot of times, as we saw, they didn't. And even when the defensive ends did beat their guy around the edge, the quarterback would very simply step up and make a big play a lot of the time. So it was a met with terrible results last year. I mean, just a few stats here, Paul. 29th in total defense, 27th in points, 31st against the run, 21st against the pass, 29th in sacks, and 28th in third down defense. Just a complete train wreck across the board with Matt Burke. Now, I know the Dolphins in this new defense are lacking a, a real edge pass rusher and really a lot in terms of the pass rush, but taking a look at these previous numbers, I can't see how this defense does not improve quickly this year. It,
2: they, they didn't leave a lot of room to get worse. We'll we'll go with that based on those stats you just put out there. It's It should get better. I'd be very surprised if it doesn't. You look at what Flores architected up in New England throughout the playoffs this past year. I mean, it was nothing short of spectacular. And you look at what the Patriots did it with. A lot of times they did it with mix and match pieces that that didn't really work out elsewhere. And so hopefully, given that Miami does have some talent on the defensive side of the ball, even though they're woefully thin at, 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 at that edge position, Um, They're very rich in the secondary. They've got some good linebackers. And the middle of their defensive line is is pretty spectacular and young. So there's really some possibility for for Flores and Graham to work with here if they're willing to get creative in the right ways, which I think they are.
0: Yeah, talk about lack of a pass rusher right now on the team. Tank Carradine, who's been in the league, this will be his seventh year in the NFL, He has five-and-a-half career sacks. That leads the Dolphins career-wise in sacks. So it's a massive understatement for us to say that there's no pass rusher. There's no anything on there. The hope is that the Dolphins are going to be able to scheme their way to more pressure, and they're going to throw you-know-what against the wall and see what sticks at that edge rusher position. Don't be surprised if the Dolphins don't take a quarterback in the 2020 draft. They look at somebody like Chase Young from Ohio State or AJ Epineza from Iowa. So it's pretty rich as it stands right now in the pass rushing group in the 2020 draft. But we've got way too much time to get into that. Another stat from 20 from the 2018 Dolphins defense. There was a a time after the first five weeks of the season from week six through week twelve where the Dolphins allowed, get this. 6.78 yards a carry to opposing starting running backs. And then in week 13, when they finally shut down a running back, which was LaShawn McCoy, Josh Allen ran for 130 plus yards, which was the highest amount in five years in the NFL. So this new defense here, Paul, the strength is going to come from those those front three guys. It's going to be Christian Wilkins, Davin Gottschall, and Vincent Taylor, and in this type of defense right here, what I expect to see, and based on what I've I've read about this this Patriots defense, we can expect Davin Gottschall to line up, heads up on the nose, heads up on the center at the nose position, and we can expect Christian Wilkins and Vincent Taylor to be lined up between the guard and tackle, and their job is really going to be to tie up blocks, which is a big contrast the last year and the couple of years before that, where these defensive linemen were simply expected on their own to get into the backfield.
2: Yeah, but I will say, too, it's with that three front that you're talking. It's Wilkins and Vincent Taylor are both two that are very explosive in short space and and can shed a block as well. So they could be the start of what Miami would need for a pass rush. So obvious passing situations. I hope they get unleashed a little bit. And there are a couple of linebackers behind him that if they get creative with a blitz, they can manufacture a pass rush and make up for the fact that they don't really have any edge rushers on this team. And and don't say Charles Harris, who won the Underwear Olympics this year. I'm, I'm not buying it. And I know you're not as a Mizzou fan who watched him his entire college career.
0: Yeah, I'm not buying it for sure. I mean, I, I always said coming out that I, I thought Charles Harris projected as a, a promising 4-3 end. I don't see his ability to play in space. I watched every game that he played. He doesn't have experience playing in space. I don't think his body type fits him playing in space. I think if you take him off the ball and put him in a, in a stand-up position, you're going to make things tougher on him. So the hope is that Charles Harris shows something. But other than him, you're you're looking at a couple of guys who are coming from the AAF. I mean, you've got J-Ron Elliott, who actually has some experience in this league, has some promise as a pass rusher. I actually thought he was going to turn into a good player with the Packers. That fizzled out. I've also got Tyrone Holmes, who was drafted by the Jaguars in the sixth round a couple of years ago. I remember in the first game of his career, I think he had a sack and a forced fumble, but then things never took off from there. So, you know... But also, too, when you take a look back at the Patriots defense historically, they, they've they never really had a, a major pass rusher. Like They had Chandler Jones for a couple of years, but then they ended up trading him, and this type of system doesn't necessarily call for a dominant pass rusher. It seems to be a defense that organically grows pass rushers like the Rob Ninkovich, as we've seen in the past from the Patriots.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, it's 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 really a manufactured pass rush, which Miami does have the pieces in place with like a Jerome Baker, um, with a Kiko Alonzo, who I like a hell of a lot better on the edge than I do at, at a true outside linebacker spot. His true spot's in the middle, but then I think you displace Rake McMillan and you're not going to stunt the growth of your young player for your old player that's probably not going to be back on any type of realistic contract after this one if he makes it through. So it's... Yeah, you you have to get a little creative. But the good side of that is if instead of running something vanilla, you get a little bit creative, you're going to confuse opposing offenses instead of, you know, confusing just Kiko every.
0: Yeah, that's very well said. And when you look at this front seven, too, a lot of youth. I mean, if, you, if we're talking about that 3-3-5 three, three, type of defense, then you're going to have five of those six players on the front seven with Christian Wilkins, Davin Godshaw, Vincent Taylor, Raekwon McMillan, and Jerome Baker, they're going to be 25 years old and younger. So, and these are players that are not making a whole heck of a lot of money. So in the next couple of years, you might be able to add some more pieces here to that front seven, both in the NFL draft, as well as in free agency, because the Dolphins are going to have a lot of money too. So Jerome Baker's the interesting guy, because also in this defense, They take uh, on a lot more responsibility from a power standpoint on the edge, because if this is kind of a 3-4 defense here, then Jerome Baker is, you know, he was drafted at 215 pounds, looked more like a safety than a linebacker, but he did show, obviously, a lot of ability in in defending the pass. Uh, Also had a game against Buffalo where he had two sacks, and I think he's taking a lesson, too, from the coaching staff because all indications are this guy's gotten up to 230 pounds, it's good muscle, and he's starting to kind of look like that Kyle Van Noy at the outside linebacker spot for this new Dolphins defense.
2: No, I mean, I think Baker showed tremendous instincts, tremendous coverage ability, and a very unexpected ability to rush the passer last season in particular. I mean, it's just there was a lot from him that that really struck me as somebody that could be a building block for this team for a long time. And if he's continuing to do the right things to get where he needs to be, the sky's the limit for that kid. Uh, the, the big thing that I will say is it'll be interesting to see how he responds to a little bit more intricate uh, we'll go with uh, planning where you do have to be a lot more knowledgeable of everything going on around you and, and you are going to have some varying responsibilities. So it should be very interesting to see how he responds to that. Uh, I'm I'm going to beat this other horse to death where, you know, you look at Matt's Burke, Berg, Matt Burke's defense, where, you know, you could take your mom to a game for the first time ever. And she's never seen a game before in her life. And she's looking at the field going, Oh, that guy does that this play. Meanwhile, you see Kiko Alonso standing there looking around like, who, what, where, and running the wrong direction, and then overrunning it back past the play, and then finally coming back and making maybe a play somewhere and padding his stat book, even though it was actually a bad thing, the way that it played out.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. It's easy to spot it. I mean, first time Paul took Dorothy Pickin into a football game, she spotted this immediately. When she was up in the nosebleeds nah, I, I don't know if Dorothy's his mom's name, but you get the point uh, there, where you you can actually you you can see very easily from play to play what the Dolphins' defense was going to do over the last couple of years. Now we're going to see a little bit more intrigue. I don't obviously the Dolphins are not going to have that edge talent that they had with Cameron Wake with Robert Quinn, but I, I really think this season overall is is one big tryout. For, to some, to, in some respects. See if Charles Harris can step up. See if J. Ron Elliott can step up. See if Tyrone Holmes can step up. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle's another player. Fifth-round pick out of uh, Wisconsin, too. And this seems like a very opportunistic type of, of guy. I see Kiko Alonso and Andrew Van Ginkle. If they're going to be putting pressure on the quarterback, it's going to be trying to sift through the trash and trying to find a pathway to the quarterback as opposed to... Bending the edge and running around the edge, because I don't see those players, either of those players, having the physical ability to do that.
2: Yeah, and, and another guy to watch here too, uh, even, even though he's going to be relegated to somewhat of a specialist role, if I'm right here, but he'll be out on the field, I think, when they're in a four-man front, which is is Jonathan Woodard, who who has been kicking around a little bit for a while now. He's a guy that I really did like. I mean, he's not spectacular at rushing the passer, but he showed some ability there, and he can also set the edge for the run. So Jonathan Woodard's one to watch with with a little bit of intrigue because if he can really thrive in that specialist role, there's a place
0: for him on this team. And I remember the first time I saw Woodard play, my first thought was, I wish this guy played in a 3-4 defense because he's got the size, he's got the long arms, and if he can get that weight up a little bit, you're talking about, you know, a 6'5", 6'6", 270-plus pound player. And that's the type of guy that the Dolphins need, more of that defensive end, not defensive tackle type of guy that can that can still take on a double team there. So I expect Water to make a team and actually play a lot of snaps too. It'll be interesting to see if Akeem Spence makes the roster because he was at best so-so last year. I don't think he was the problem on the defense, but I don't think he was great either after he came in to replace Indomingan Sioux. Uh so in this three four defense, to my knowledge, he has never played in this type of of, of defense. So maybe he can play take up some snaps at DN nose tackle, but I, I my feeling is that he might get pounded inside if he gets extended uh if if he sees things extensively there at the nose tackle spot. That's why I do think a guy named Joey Mbu is gonna end up making the roster. He was also coming from the AAF, but carries a lot more weight at 6'1", 340, has more of that kind of pure nose tackle type of frame.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're going to probably see a couple extra fat guys make the roster this, this year in particular, because you're looking at a situation where you're going to have three on the field at a time. And especially in that South Florida heat, you're going to be rotating those players a fairly decent amount. So there there may be a possibility where Miami keeps five or six of those, but you see the sacrifice be those defensive end type players that we're, we're quantifying as edge rushers because of the fact that they need to rotate their fat guys a little more than uh, other positions.
0: Yeah. Another guy out there on the edge that was actually taken one spot before Jordan Phillips in the second round of the 2015 draft, that's Nate Orchard who spent last year with Seattle, before that was with Cleveland. Obviously, his career hasn't gone the way he thought that he wanted to. Uh, you know, I, I thought this was a, a refined pass rusher coming out of college, but didn't necessarily have a lot of speed. So, again, when you take a look at the players like Tank Carradine and Nate Orchard and Jay Ron Elliott, Tyrone Holmes, if the Dolphins can get one – guy that that projects well as as somebody who can either start or be a third outside rusher here for the next couple of years that i think that's kind of what they're looking for there so they're looking at the rest of the spots too at at linebacker some guy a guy that we haven't really talked about a lot paul because he was he, he finished last year on injured reserve is chase allen i mean i i still think chase allen has a lot to prove here because every time he's gotten on the field in an extended role, I thought he played very, very well. In fact, we've been talking on the show that we were hoping that he was going to take over for Kiko Alonso. I mean, I know we wanted anyone to take over for Kiko Alonso, but definitely chase Allen. He and Mike Hall. I mean, do you think that they get squeezed out of this roster or do you think that that, that they make it for what seems like their 10th year with the team?
2: See. Chase Allen and Mike Hall scream Brian Flores and that, you know, blue collar bringing lunch pail to work and just have a role. It may be a little bit specialized, but given Hull's contributions on special teams and, and given the fact they both seem to just contribute when they're out there, they may not match every box for, What is it you want in a linebacker? But when when they're out on that field, they just seem to be around the damn ball at all times and making plays. So there may well be a role that Flores carves out for them. It may ebb and flow based upon the teams that they're playing against each week, but I do think that there's a role for both of those guys in in this defense. Now, a guy that I'm still mystified that they drafted last last year – Quentin Poling, I I don't see a scenario where he makes the roster. Uh, He's everything that Michael is not. He's a low-effort player that plays slow and never seems to make it to the ball uh, in time, let alone if he does, it's too far downfield for what you want to see from your linebackers, and it's usually just flopping on top of a pileup after somebody else has already made the tackle. So for me, Polling is definitely one that does not make this roster out of that linebacker core.
0: Yeah, you know, we have a term for that. It's called pile inspector. Somebody that just stands right <laughs> outside the pile and takes a look and uh, never actually gets gets in there. So, yeah, Quentin. I was going to go
2: with NFL fan, um, where, where, but you know, you can call it what you will.
0: Gotcha. Well, uh, Quentin Polling was drafted in the seventh round only because he ran a four five eight and and had a thirty eight inch vertical leap, which is like wide receiver type numbers. But if you watch some tape on him. Uh, you don't see anywhere remotely close to that type of ability. Uh, you know, Mike Hall is somebody that doesn't test out very well, but also has played special teams at a very high level here. And you can bet if Hall makes the roster, it's going to be Danny Crossman that that is going to be the guy that wants him on this team. They're going to be competing as well with two undrafted free agents, Trey Watson from Maryland, who actually – had five interceptions last year. There was no linebacker drafted this past year that had more than three interceptions in the 2018 season. And Terrell Hanks is a player I thought was going to go in the second or third round, and he ended up actually uh, going undrafted. So the Dolphins got him. I th- I'm really impressed with the Dolphins' undrafted free agent group here. And I see it being a very interesting competition between Mike Hull, Chase Allen, Trey Watson, and Terrell Hanks as we get deeper into August.